Hello and welcome to episode two of series two of the Global Growth Leaders podcast. I'm Simon Haig from here in Ireland, Europe, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Henry Wang from Hong Kong over there in China. Uh, Henry, it's great to see you. And th this, this series, this 2022 series, which follows the 2020 series, we're talking to esteemed thought leaders from both the East and the West. And the aim really is to talk about the similarities what we can bring to each other's cultures, East and West. And we're going through challenging times in the world, but we want to talk from a positive perspective in this podcast series. It's very important, you know, the younger generations are interested in innovation and positive thinking. So we want the three of us here, and I'll introduce the guests in a second, we're going to talk positively about how we can contribute to better interrelations and collaboration. And so I'm delighted to announce our guests today, the wonderful Elizabeth Lee. Elizabeth, how are you? Hi, Elizabeth. Yeah. It's good to see you. Me. It's great to see you. And Elizabeth is chairperson of the Sinological Development Char Charitable Foundation Limited. Uh, I, I know you're all based in Hong Kong, China. And um, Henry, why don't you just fire away with the first question? Thank you, Simon, for the good introduction. It's great to see uh, Elizabeth Lee, who's a really good friend of mine, and uh, I admire her work. She's an impressive uh, woman leader from Asia. And uh, Elizabeth, you, you've been invited to join various boards globally and in Asia, and you own your own management consultancy. Could you give us an overview of your impressive career? Well, um, I've had a kaleidoscope of experiences and um, each of the experience that I've had, I always tell the young people, you never waste your time with anything you plan to do because I feel that my marriage of different foundation has brought me here today and uh, for that reason I think that uh, when the young people are looking into their future um, they should really do what they love. Uh, I started with the foundation of industry in uh, manufacturing um, for for garments and fashion. So I was a designer, I was in retail, I um, was in trading, I worked with uh, factory workers, how to put designs into a category that would be suited for certain markets. So all of this experience have helped me to translate into different industries for my consulting practices, which included uh, financial industry, NGOs, uh, airlines like Cathay Pacific um, and governments, uh, because although I've never been a, um, in the airline business, but I'm a passenger. So I know what it feels like and what I expect from the customer service of an airline. So when we did a big project for Cathay Pacific, training up 
those who newly promoted into supervisory uh, roles, what we found was that they didn't know what supervision was and they had to um, stop doing and start supervising because they would fight for the jobs of their whom they are supervising uh, because that's how they got there. So I think um, every uh, type of um, work that we do, especially in a world where we're changing all the time and the flexibility of having different um, experiences would contribute. Although my father was very worried that I would become a dabbler and never make anything of myself. But I feel, especially in a world that is constantly changing, you need to have flashes of things that would integrate and you can associate problem solving with different aspects. So that is sort of my career in a nutshell. Elizabeth, that's wonderful. And what I hear there is that you syn you've synergized all your experiences and expertise and brought your cap capabilities and capacity to bear to shape what you do. And, um, and particularly the Sinological Development Charitable Foundation. I, I'm really interested, you know, you're the chairperson, but also the founder. M maybe just share with us, what are the key current activities and aims of the foundation? Well, we started out very humbly uh, with just one small summer program to promote uh, Chinese classics because I went to do my PhD in Peking University and uh, with the background of having grown up in New York City and uh, learning Latin, French and English all at the same time, I felt cheated that I don't know my own heritage. So I went and did this degree, um, which delighted me because then it made me feel like I'm totally balanced between the East and the West because I was sort of lopsided being more Western, although I look Chinese and I know nothing about my own heritage. So um, that was very, um, difficult for me. And so now I use that um, sort of disadvantaged position to uh, help people who wants to understand both the East and the West, because in the process of uh, synthesizing, uh, why did they do that? Why, why did they do this? You know, uh, was a lot of questions growing up. And now I'm so happy to be a ripe old age because I have the wisdom to say that, well, it, it's because of that and it's because of this. And I think the um, in our summer program, what we did was um, to promote uh, the understanding of the classics. And I think this comes from my sort of, um, uh, would you say public school or private school, uh, background where, you know, at a very young age, we had to learn the Latin uh, and the Greek classics and all the Roman classics so that we understand the Western culture. 
And so therefore I feel, hey, then you really do need the Eastern uh, in order to understand China, which is very influential in all of Southeast Asia, Korea, Japan, everywhere, that you actually uh, need to, because like Korea is like, they think the Song Dynasty Confucianism is it. So if you don't understand that, you don't understand Koreans. And the Japanese took the Tang Dynasty and then the Southeast Asian countries. So um, our uh, SDCF foundation um, aspire to be a platform where we can create a community for those who are interested to learn about China. But we do not, um, we give opportunities to both the, the whole range of levels. If you're a newcomer who knows nothing, if you are a scholar, if you're a professor, if you're very high academic, we want them all to be in our community because um, like uh, uh, I'll talk about later that we started this online uh, book of changes uh, salon and we have people who admittedly say, oh, we know nothing, but we welcome them just the same because I feel everybody has to learn from somewhere. And our theory for our community is that we all start at our different level, but we all want to improve together. And sometimes having people who knows nothing, they ask questions that, us, that we as scholars or academics in the field, we miss it because we take it for granted that we know it all. And it's fascinating because last night, even in one of our programs, uh, we got a great question from someone who knows nothing and we thought, oh, that really needs clarification and nobody's written on it. So now we're working on it together as a community and hopefully we can publish it together when we discover the answer. So. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you, Elizabeth. And as you can see behind me, you're never too old to read books. I'm constantly learning. Just because you get white hair doesn't mean you should stop learning. So that was, and, and equally, I think some of the smartest questions come from the quietest people, the youngest people. So thank you, Elizabeth. That was wonderful. Henry. Yeah, talking about books, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm actually writing at this moment my my uh, sixth uh, new book on climate, and it's. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm having some uh, writer's uh, blockages at the moment. So it's great to talk with you both to take my mind off the book. But talking mm -hmm. about books, I, I know, Ali, you thank, thanks, Ali, for inviting Simon and I to, to write a joint paper uh, together with Ole and Moshe for your new book to be published by, by your Sinological Development Charity Foundation. I think it's a wonderful idea and I'm really looking forward to it. Could you tell us something about your publication plans and promotion plans for the book? Well, um, it will be published by the Chinese University Press. And um, because of COVID, you know, it's taken longer than we expected, but it's, it's, it's on the way and uh, they will be distributing it in libraries and they will be online. 
but the concept behind the book is interesting because it matches our mission because it is a platform for all our scholars of different level to have a chance to publish their thoughts. And it's not aiming to be a um, perfect sinological publication, but it is to show that different uh, people with different perspectives and how they integrate working with us in our community the different sinological aspects into their work, which is what you and Simon and uh, Moshe have done so well, because even though you're not sinologists and you are aspiring to learn more, we welcome your article whilst our students who are in our past programs, some of them are sinologists and some of them are not. And so we welcome all this publication and we hope rather than doing a five-year anniversary party or some sort of celebration, the book is our celebration because the book really shows um, our accomplishment and our community effort. And um, that is uh, really what we hope to accomplish with the new publication. And, you know, we are not looking for a lot of big purchases, but I think it's important that everyone's work are published. That's a wonderful idea, Ali. And I've got some good news to share with you, actually, since we wrote the paper. Simon, I'm very glad to share. I hope Simon don't mind me saying so. He's been voted as one of the top management thinker globally. Maybe Simon, you can tell us more about that. And that might be useful when you come to promoting the book. I think both Simon and Ole have been, been voted as top 50 management thinker in the world. Thank you, Henry. You, you've embarrassed me. I feel embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was not the intention. I'm no. so proud of you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. I've, I've been voted in a couple of categories, the Global Gurus category and also uh, Thinkers360 for my work in management and leadership and, and, and negotiation. So thanks so much, Henry. <laughs> and, and, and also, Elizabeth, I just wanted to say that for me, it's it's I'm just sitting here in Ireland, Europe, thinking it's a huge honour and a sincere honour, and I say this from my heart, to be involved in the book because I used to live in Australia and I spent a lot of time working in China. I came to China many times and um, Hong Kong and, and Shenzhen and Wuhan um, and uh, Shanghai. And I was always, always, always treated wonderfully, you know, and, and I miss it. I haven't been to China for about six years, so... It actually touches my heart to think that something I've said is in the book. So thank you. Um, you mentioned um, the salon and, you know, the, the foundation is doing a lot of new activities. And you mentioned this new online study group salon in the Chinese classic, The Book of Changes. Maybe if you could share, share a little bit more about that with us. Well, first of all, I, I thank all your contribution to the book because I do hope that you will do more in the management and leadership aspects of integrating 
so much of the Chinese classics is on that topic and interpersonal development in the future. And um, uh, part of the new online salon that we have started, and some people call it a symposium, some people call it, uh, and symposium reminds me of Plato's book, and um, some people, we call it a learning community because the, change, the changes, uh, I Ching, I Ching, or I Jing, is so complex that no expert knows everything about it because there's two different branches of how to study the I Ching. And one is from the mathematic and astrological, astronomical side. And the other one is more the rational, philosophical and divination part. And these two branches don't really talk to each other. So what we try to do, and we had our second session last night, it was great because uh, there are those who are interested in the more um, mathematical aspect and there's those interested in more the uh, philosophical part, which is obviously the more attractive and easier part because the mathematical astronomicals really goes into the stars and how it matches and it's more complicated and fewer people have written on it. But uh, we, I feel that I have been working with the changes for at least 10, if not 25 years, because when I was just a little girl of uh, five or eight, my father would take me to his divination master when he goes and asks a question. So I've known about it for all my life. And it's always been a curiosity and I did not realize that is such a fabulously interesting academic topic. But one could spend a whole lifetime studying it and can never get everything. So when I went into Peking University and I, I didn't have any experience because my master degree was in change management from Pepperdine, I didn't have any experience in philosophy my Chinese was horrible. I can only speak, but I don't read or write. And, the, and, the, and I told them I'm interested in the book of changes. And the professors would say to me, oh, I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> so they didn't think I would finish my degree uh, because you're allowed nine years. If not, then they kick you out. But I finished in five years, so they were all shocked. But I picked a... Um, a scholar from the Song Dynasty, because during the Song Dynasty, because of the Tang Dynasty, when they, uh, when the Buddhist uh, conception sort of invaded China, like the Western thoughts invading China now, um, the scholars panicked and they had to go back to something that was rooted in the Chinese civilization and they selected the Book of Changes, which is purely Chinese. And in there, uh, uh, there's a few concepts that's purely Chinese, with like qi or yin yang or hexagram, so on and so forth. Um, so I think that the Book of Changes is so rich because they incorporated everything, uh, the four season, and in, within the 68 hexagrams, they have 
everything that happens in every season and each hexagram has six uh, lines and on each of the lines, they can predict everything. So it, they, they use it as a uh, divination uh, decision-making process, but really it is not encouraged to use it just as superstition type of work, but people do that, so that's okay. <clears throat> so our community is really, really rich. Uh, there's about 30 people signed up and, you know, they come and go. We don't require them to attend. And then we uh, leave our Zoom uh, recording on the um, machine for two days. And anyone who can't quite catch the time can come back and view. And we're using a perusal uh, kind of uh, uh, chat box where everyone can share material. So we're really trying to build a community. Thank you. That was wonderful. That's very impressive, uh, Eric. And <coughs> also, I, I, I know that you were also invited uh, by Beijing to, to speak at the International Youth Forum for the uh, Winter Olympics about right. the Olympic spirit and Confucian spirit. I mean that sounds very interesting and, and also I, I noticed from the uh, participants, the other speakers all included some very famous uh, athletes like uh, Elaine Ku who, who we were all watching during the Winter Olympic when she won her two gold medal and one silver medal. Could you share with us some of your experience at, the, uh, at this youth forum and, and what key messages you gave to these uh, international athletes? Well, we were supposed to go to Beijing, but of course we did not. So our uh, our scholars and I, we participated online and it was fun to see yourself in this big silver screens. Um, and it was hosted by um, Beijing municipal government and uh, China global television network uh, and organized by a think tank called A. Uh, uh, ACCWS uh, in Beijing, and uh, we we emphasized that the Olympic spirit and the Chinese classics are very connected and close, and um, our students our scholars from around the world, India and Poland and so on and so forth, uh, use these five virtues of Confucianism, uh, uh, trustworthiness, uh, wisdom, uh, rituals, uh, righteousness and uh, compassion. Uh, and each of them uh, use a different aspect of the Olympic spirit. And they uh, made a speech on that. And it was really challenging. And I think very innovative. Um, we, as a community, this is what we do. And this is what we do in the I Ching, uh, I Ching um, uh, community as well. So we 
hang around and use about a month or two of, you know, weekly sessions to discuss what it is that we all want to accomplish together. So I don't make an assignment and everyone's, you know, discuss and try out. And for a lot of them, uh, are the scholars who uh, wrote this and uh, made these uh, videos, it's their debut, the first time they ever talked about anything in the Chinese classics. So it was very exciting to see them on the screen. And we hope uh, the Beijing Youth uh, Forum will be our partner next year for our future program, which I originally planned only for Hong Kong, uh, a youth ambassador program. That sounds and now, very interesting. Now they're interested to participate, so it's great. That's fantastic, Simon. Well, Elizabeth, it's amazing. And I understand you're also planning a new youth project, including a three-year youth ambassadors pilot project beginning at the end of 2022. Maybe if you could share a little bit about that, Elizabeth. Well, that's the program that now Beijing is interested to join and also have their chapter in Beijing. We don't know exactly how we will work it yet, but uh, it's a three-year program. And um, the way uh, I designed it is um, we initially use the Chinese classics in a game format on the computer and open the application to the whole of Hong Kong society. And we will select 1,200 applicants to be part of this first round. And there will be four rounds. And after we select the 1,200, it would be at four different age levels from 12 to 15, 15 to 18, 18 to 20, 20, and then 20 to 22. So it goes across the board, four levels, and so about uh, 300 in each age category. And then uh, they would come to a half-day workshop where we would have facilitators to assess them in terms of where their commitment, their knowledge, and their understanding, and, and their... Also, I think more, we, what we're looking for is passionate uh, people, uh, young youth, because we find that the youth today is too chill. They don't want to do anything. And so we want them to create a passion in life. And then after we cut 300 into 150 of the four category, then they will attend a three months uh, online and workshop uh, program where the, each week they would have lectures, uh, two 40, 40 minute lectures and one three hour workshop for three months. And after three months, we cut another half away and then we left with 75 at each age category. And then that 75, will have to find a passion, whether it's in writing, in art, in sports, anything that they love. And in the next year, they have to work on their passion. 
whilst we train them to come back to teach the first level three months students during the workshop. So they also get the chance to become role models for the previous younger ones coming in or newer ones coming in. And then at the end of that one year, they are cut again into half. So 75 becomes like 35 or 40. And then uh, they do a another uh, 12 months program uh, similar, but this time it will be even more stringent because they actually have to become virtuoso in their own field and they have to compete. And in the end, we end up with about 20, less than 20 in each age category. And when they are well-versed in the Chinese classics, we send them as ambassadors to different countries to teach people of their own age group. So it's very exciting. It's very complicated. People always criticize me for creating projects that are so complicated. But, you know, it is simple. I don't need to do it because everybody else is doing it. So I tend to be attracted to complicated but well worthwhile projects. So I hope this works out. That's wonderful. It sounds extremely worthwhile. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Wow, that sounds very impressive, Eddie. And finally, could you share with us, I mean, what is your vision and, and ambition for, and suggestion really for cultural organizations to cooperate and work together more between the, the East and the West so as to promote international understanding and cooperation and development of the East-West leadership? Well, I guess, you know, in my little, all my little communities, and eventually I hope they all merge into one big community, uh, even though they're different age group. I mean, we, we will be going from 12 years old to 80 years old, right? And uh, although they're separate projects, but maybe eventually they become one big community because it's one big family under SDCF. And, um, I, 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 I see, uh, my vision is that in order for communities to grow, they must have common interests and common intentions. And it's not easy to find. And because we are quite flexible in our demands of people who are participating, they can come and go, they can contribute as much as they want. You know, we're, we're not like whatever and they don't have to pay us anything. And, you know, it's like, you know, you can come and you can join. And, and, and precisely like um, my hope is when my ambassador program is in place, we will be working with different countries like Argentina or Poland or, well, not the Ukraine at the moment, but you know, that different countries will have different youth organization who would like to learn about Chinese, Chinese thoughts and our students can go there and experience the country at the same time interact with students. That's why this ambassador program is so exciting for me because 
we have students all over the world in India, in Japan, everywhere. And so eventually, uh, we, as we grow this community, um, and you know, that the reason we're so stringent with our students in cutting them half, 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 is we want them to have leadership skills by the time they get out there and represent the Chinese culture. So I think, you know, we there's no shortcuts and there's no cutting corners not gonna get us there. And it takes time. I may not see too much of the fruits of our effort, but I hope to be this uh, perpetuate this uh, charity. Even when I'm not here, I'm already looking for succession, uh, grooming successions and people who, who family or themselves will be interested to take over in the future. So I think that's the only hope. And despite everything that goes on in, 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 in around us, I think we just have to make our effort and go forward with what we believe in and try our best. Wow, that's fascinating, uh, Ellie. And, and I'm really impressed by your work. And I hope our global audience will find this podcast as interesting as Simon and I have found it to be. Oh, thank you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as you said, Ellie, we're living in what we call VUCA times, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous times. And, and the aim of this program is to talk to amazing guests like you who bring constructive, harmonious, and collaborative thought to help shine a light on a positive future. So um, we'll have more podcasts during the year. Uh, Henry, you and I have a wonderful guest coming. And Elizabeth, I just wanted to say thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Yeah.